So if you are going to have a couple of platforms and a website, keep your branding consistent, your the photo, your your profile picture, keep that consistent across the platform so that people will recognize that. Even if they can't remember your name to begin with, they might remember your profile picture. It's just about that consistency and that consistent posting as well. If you're only going to post once a week about random things, you're probably going to take a little bit longer to build up uh, following. Um, so consistent posting every day if you can. Just show who you are and what you're about and what you're writing, even if you haven't got anything published. Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Now, let's relax on the convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rights for Women. Jodie Gibson is my guest today on the Rights for Women Convo Couch, and Jodie is returning to have a chat, this time about her second novel. I believe when I spoke to Jodie the first time around, it was when she was preparing to release her first novel, The Memories We Hide, which was independently published. She's an author of contemporary women's fiction, or as she likes to call it, fiction with feels. Her debut novel was The Memories We Hide, and it was independently published in August 2019. Her next novel, The Five-Year Plan, is a lighter, more romantic women's fiction title and combines travel, food and romance and was just released this week. Jodie is a graduate of Fiona McIntosh's Masterclass from 19, 2017 and has worked as a freelancer and copy editor. She's an avid baker, a skill and passion evident in her latest book, and an active member of the Australian writing community. I've asked Jodie to come back and join me today on the Convo Couch because she's taken a different direction, not only in the style of writing that she is now doing, but also in the way that it's being published. And Jodie's also very savvy about the business of marketing and just about the publishing in industry in general. So, Jodie, welcome back to the Rights for Women Convo Couch. Thanks for having me, Pam. It's great to be back. Yeah, I think I, I was trying to think, I think it was just before the Memories We Hide was released that we last spoke. Yeah, I think so. So that's, that's two years ago now. And a lot's happened since then. Uh, the world has changed since then, mm. hasn't it? It definitely has, yeah. Definitely. And, and for you, you've slightly changed direction, which I really want to talk about with your writing and with your publishing. But mm -hmm. just for those people who may not have listened to that first episode, may not know anything about your background in terms of writing, can you t talk us through how you ended up being a fiction author? Sure. It certainly wasn't something that was planned. I certainly didn't leave school or even at school think of, you know, writing books as a career path. It wasn't really something that normal people, I guess, did. Authors were seen as these, you know, people who are, are way above everybody else. And I, you didn't know any authors around that time. So it wasn't until my mid-30s or early to mid-30s that I came around to um, 
enjoying reading again first and then toying with some ideas that you know I would would like to write a book and I think for many women particularly mothers it happens around the time that you have a child and you find that you're home a lot and you might have a, a little bit of spare time and so your creative brain starts to take over and and so that's what happened for me I had an idea and I was playing around with it and I I wrote it down and got it out of my head which was was nice to get it out of my head because it was sort of waking me up in the night so um and that that first I won't even call it a manuscript or a novel it was sort of all <laughs> over the place <laughs> definitely not going to see the light of day as I think most people's first efforts won't but it absolutely set my creative brain on fire and got me thinking that this is something that I could possibly do and that I would like to do and so I just kept writing from there and at first it was pretty much just a hobby uh, it wasn't something that I thought oh yes I'm going to going to be a writer I'm going to be an author I'm going to seek a publication deal and see what happens it was just over the space of time where I'd written a few different manuscripts I'd done some courses I'd learned a lot about the craft of writing as you do along the way and it probably wasn't until maybe 2015 2016 where I thought I'd written something that maybe would be worth publishing. And so that sort of set me off on the path of of working towards, yeah, seeing if it was, was worthy of publication. And so um, was that the Memories We Hide, that manuscript, or was that another one? That was the Memories We Hide, yes. So I wrote it during NaNoWriMo and it's... It just worked really well from from the first incarnation of that book. Not that that represents anything very similar to what the final draft was, but it was the story that was working well mm -hmm. and the characters that were working well. And I actually took it to Fiona McIntosh's masterclass in 2017 and had great feedback from her that, yes, if you keep working on it, it definitely could be worth putting forward for publication. And, and it ended up being my my first novel, which was exciting. Yeah, I remember around that time. It's always very exciting. I mean, any book that you have out is exciting, but that first one is just super special, isn't it? Very special indeed, yes. And that one was independently published, so you decided to publish that yourself. Can you talk a little bit about the reasons for that? I did. I did pitch to a couple of different publishers with that and got great feedback, had full manuscripts requested and read-throughs it just didn't end up being for those publishers which was fine and I think more than anything I started to look at different ways that I could get it published because I really believed in the story and I was confident enough in the story to want to put it out there and so I did a lot of research into independent publishing um, or self-publishing I didn't know anything really about it I, di I didn't know much about traditional publishing either so I was learning on both fronts so I did a lot of research and when it came down to it I realized that it was something that I I'd like to jump in the deep end and so it was definitely a huge learning curve learning what to do and how to do mm. it but I also enjoyed that process I'm a bit of a control freak so and I think you need to be to put something out there yourself because you are you're not just writing the book you're actually wearing all the hats that you're that a traditional publisher would wear so you're organizing the editing and the proofreading and the cover design and then the distribution and then the promotion and marketing so you're wearing all of those hats so it's it's not for someone who isn't I guess business minded and isn't um one who wants wants to do all that because you really want have to want to do that to take that jump into self-publishing so yeah I just did it I didn't really think much about it I just thought I want to get this book out there I know it's a good story it 
it could probably be better but you know what what book couldn't be better (laughs) when you finish a book you think it's done and and then you always think back and go well I could have done this a bit better I could have changed this scene I could have you know there's always could have so I just took the plunge and I put it out there and it it went really well for an indie novel and I had some great feedback some amazing reviews on it and so that was yeah the start of my publishing journey oh that's so good and like you say a massive massive learning curve because I've been through the same thing as you as you know and I don't think anything that you learn doing that is ever wasted is it if you go back into trad or if you stay indie it's all just so important absolutely I learned so much and and even I'm only just remembering now the stuff that I learnt from that first experience, um, putting my second novel out there. Because sometimes the first one is a little bit of a blur too, because it's just mm. it's the build up and then it's just the rush of getting it out there and so it all ends up in a bit of a blur. And I was reading through my notes recently about what I had been doing. And I'm like, oh, that's right, I remember doing that. But there's always things to learn. And of course the market and the the publishing landscape changes as well. So you've got to keep up with those changes. But definitely a huge learning curve. And I I don't think you ever stop learning in publishing because things change. Yeah, that's so true. So true. And the five-year plan is a different style of women's fiction, isn't it, to the memories we hide. So it's it's a lighter uh, story. It's more romancy. It's got a little bit of a rom-com element in places. You've got the travel and food woven into it. Can you tell us, uh, was that a deliberate change in direction for you or was it just the story that wanted to be written and, and so here it is? How did that work for you? I think it was more of a deliberate change. The Memories We Hide had been with me for a long time, that story, and that was the style of story that it came out. It was more dramatic. Um, it was set in a, had a rural setting. It had a, a slight romance thread through it, and it was that voice for that story. But I don't know if that was my natural voice. So in subsequent manuscripts when I was writing, this lighter style of voice was was coming through a lot. And so I had to make that effort to to have a look at that and to change slightly in that direction because that's that's just how it kept coming out mm-hmm. as I was writing it. So it was sort of not deliberate but not conscious at the same time. It just ended up that way. Um, and I enjoy writing it. I, yeah. I really enjoy And I enjoy reading it too. Um, feel-good fiction makes you feel good. It takes you away, gives you a bit of escapism from, from everyday life, which particularly we need right now. We um, certainly so, do. Yeah, it was a good choice and and I feel that's where at the moment that my voice is sitting. Well, before we go any further, can you tell us about the five-year plan and and what the story's about? Sure. So the five-year plan revolves around the main character, Demi. Now, of Italian heritage and she's in Melbourne. She's in her early 30s and she's got a plan for life. She's got a five-year plan. So and it basically revolves around taking over the family cafe and she's just moved in with her boyfriend who could possibly be the one. So her dad is talking retirement. So she's really in a position where she thinks everything's about to fall into place but um, in a good story we know that nothing ever falls into place and and that's exactly what happens to Debbie and she she finds herself with her plan falling apart her father has decided he's not going to hand the cafe down to her something's happened with her boyfriend and they're not together anymore so she takes a plunge and decides to head over to Italy 
and sort of rediscover her Italian heritage. Her uncle is over there and that's where her parents are from, a place called Bari in Italy. And she heads over there to run the cafe with her uncle, learn all about her, her heritage and the culture and hopefully come back and prove to her dad that, you know, she's the rightful one to take over the cafe. But when she's over there, there's a lot of things that are unraveled from her past and from her family's past. She also meets someone special called Leo. And so things develop there. And she basically takes a journey to, to learn about what she really wants out of life and to maybe not be so focused on a plan as such and mm. be open to opportunities. That's a really good summary of it, Jody. I'm reading it. I'm just past halfway through, actually. And like you say, it's been a great lockdown read because it has got that light element to it. And it's also got this vicarious travel experience, yeah. which <laughs> is wonderful because, you know, we're all champing at the bit to actually get out of our houses and, you know, be able to travel vicariously to Italy is amazing. So thank you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I think we all want to just go anywhere at the moment, don't we? we do. <laughs> so if we can go to we Italy do. through a book, why not? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you've got your tagline there on the, the banner behind you and, and on the book, what do you do when everything doesn't go to plan? And you've got such great elements in there in terms of, you know, she has this early midlife crisis almost when things do fall apart for her. And then it's in this new setting and this new place that she really is becoming a different person. And so mm -hmm. there's lots of those fantastic elements of women's fiction in there that are about her, her growth as a character and as a person. So can you just give us a little bit more of an idea of who Demi is? And I'm particularly interested in her, her Italian heritage and also if you have any of that Italian heritage yourself because it's very authentic in the book and very believable in terms of the whole family dynamic that you develop. So tell us a little bit about Demi and her family. Sure. So, so first of all, I don't have an Italian heritage. Um, I wish I did because I, <laughs> I grew up with a lot of Italians. Where I grew up, there's a, a big Italian community and I went to school with a lot of Italians, was friends with a lot of Italians. Still, I'm still friends with a lot of Italians. So their culture and their history and their food in particular has really rubbed off on me. So it's it's a pure passion. It's a love for the culture that, that I wanted to bring through, not necessarily knowing that myself. And so Demi, Demi has grown up in the family cafe with her brothers and sisters. They've decided they're not interested in the cafe, but it's something that Demi's always loved. Um, she's loved the people aspect of it. She's loved the food aspect. She's loved being a part of something and seeing that passion that her parents had for the cafe. And she decided at a very young age that this is what she wanted to do. So she's been very loyal to her father working in the cafe and very focused on this plan. She's very much a bit like me, I guess, a bit of a control freak. So she knows what she wants and she knows what direction she wants to take. But it's really a challenging thing for her when things don't fall into to place because she didn't have a plan B as such. This was the plan. So it takes a lot for her to step out of that comfort zone and to travel to the other side of the world and develop a new plan and then be open to the opportunities rather than being quite 
focused and, and having blinkers on, which I think a lot of people can relate to. We like to think we can plan our lives, but really does, you know, fate come into it anywhere? And and I think as you grow and mature as a person and as you experience different things, which is what Demi finds, you start to realise that, that maybe, you know, when you really look deep inside yourself, what you thought you wanted isn't actually what you need. Yeah, yeah, mm. and that's all great stuff for fiction, isn't it, too, because often our characters are not really aware of what they do need and I guess it's our job as the author to show them the way, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, and and the thing I liked about Demi's character arc in the story was that she starts off, as I said, very focused and then takes a step back and she starts to think, okay, so the, maybe that wasn't what was meant to be and then she thinks, okay, what if I can make it happen? And then mm. she heads over to Italy and then things don't go exactly as she's planned and she, she falls back into that, that self-doubt that, you know, oh, well, maybe this is just my life and it's the way it's meant to be. So she has to find that inner strength again to, to open herself up and really look at things differently. So, And I think, well, I hope a lot of people can relate to that because we're not all, um, you know, strong characters that can just go out there and grab everything we see. Mm. We do fall back into ourselves at times. We do have expectations that, that perhaps your family or other people in our lives put on you that you, you think that, you know, that's important or you have that sort of imbalance and that struggle that, you know, is what I want more important or is what someone else wants and needs more important. So she really struggles with that at one point in the novel. So I really wanted to have her explore that and see how she came out of that at the other end. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's definitely something we can all relate to in one way or the other. And who are some of the other major players in the book? Can you introduce us to some of them? Sure. So first of all, the one of the first characters you meet is Demi's dad, Giulio. He is very typical Italian, very boisterous, very loud, but very set in his ways, quite traditional in his thinking in some ways, but also a very lovable character. And Demi absolutely admires her father, his figure in her life that she's always looked up to. So when things start to fall apart, she starts to question that relationship and, and how she feels about that. And then there's Anna, Demi's best friend. And they actually got together a few years ago to make the five-year plan together for, for both of themselves, for Anna herself and for Demi. And Anna is a really fun character. She's definitely quite opposite to Demi. She doesn't really stick to the plan. It's just more of a loose plan for her, but she's good at jumping off the deep end and really shows that difference between her and Demi. So I think she adds a lot to the story. And she's always there for... Demi to lean on which we all need a friend like that and then when she heads off to Italy she meets a character called Leo and Leo is one of my favorite characters in the book he came to me so easily and Demi is immediately attracted to Leo and their relationship um, develops from there but there's a lot of conflict there and there's a lot of things that stand in their way not to mention that he lives in Italy and that she lives in Australia and mm. So I can't say too much without giving... No, we don't want spoilers. ...giving it away. No spoilers. But he's definitely a character that, that um, has a lot to do with Demi in the second part of the book. Helps her learn a lot about herself. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely one of those catalysts for her, isn't he? And, and another is the beautiful place in which she finds herself. So I have to ask you about Bari. Have you been there? Mm. 
I have, yes. Oh, I knew it. I could tell from the writing. It's just uh, your your passion for the place comes through so strongly in the writing and you do such a fabulous job of really, as I said, taking us there, you know. So, yeah, tell us about Bari. Thank you. Yeah, so when I realised that Demi needed to get out of Melbourne, I knew she had to go to Italy, but I didn't want her to go somewhere, somewhere like Rome or Venice that we all know about and are quite have been used a lot in, in fiction and movies. I wanted to go somewhere totally different. So I basically just ran my finger around the map and thought, I'll have a look at this place called Bari. So I checked it out. And we were actually planning a European holiday back in 2018 and we were going to Italy, so I sort of tacked that on to the end of the trip, just three days in Bari, and we went there. And I went there coming into Bari looking at the way that, that Demi would. So I was experiencing it like mm. how I wanted her to experience it on her first time as she flew over and drove into the old town and experienced it. So I was busily taking notes and, and as soon as I got I'm just, there. I'm picturing you with the note, you know, don't talk to me. I'm writing notes. <laughs> I'm snapping photos and then jotting things into my iPhone and, and just listening to the sounds and, and all the smells, very much that immersive sort of research. I was probably very vacant with my family <laughs> for those three days. And it's like, oh, yeah, mum's just busy writing things down, taking photos. <laughs> But it was absolutely amazing when I got there. I knew this was exactly the perfect place for, for Demi and it's an absolutely beautiful town. It's one of my play, favourite places that I've visited. So when we ever get past this pandemic, if you get a chance to to travel mm. again, definitely put it on your list if you're heading to Italy. It's It's definitely worth it. Yeah, well, I've been to Italy and I love it, but I haven't been to Bari, so it's now yeah. definitely been added to my list for sure. Very good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and another important element of the, the story and something that's very important to Demi and to Leo and to the, both families actually is the food. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that you're a foodie, Jody. I know that you do love to cook. So was that also a deliberate thing to weave those elements of food into the writing? Because it does make for a very sort of sensory experience, you know, in terms of taking you to that place too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Demi has this love of food and this passion for her culture and the, the food of her culture. So it absolutely had to play a big part. And I was quite okay with sampling the Italian cuisine and <laughs> writing that into the book. There was no problems there. And, and it was fun too. I did lots of tasting when I was in Bari. Um, I saw the nonnas making the pasta out on the street, them cutting up potatoes out on the street. So all of that just went into the book and I practiced a few recipes at home and trialed them on myself and my family, which I don't think anyone complained about. Yeah. But I do do absolutely have full respect for for Italians and, and the, their food because a lot of it is quite tricky to make, particularly the pasta. You've got to have the right know-how and I think they have that that special knack. So I'm by no means um the best Italian cook at all, but Demi definitely needed to have that passion shown. So bringing that food element into the book was was absolutely essential for the story. There's that great scene you were talking about the nonnas, you know, and there's that scene where a group of them get together and they're making mm-hmm. this pasta and it's outdoors and they've got the table there and it's such a community 
event. You know, it's this real coming together of people around food. And I think that's such a big part of Italian and Mediterranean and a lot of European culture, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I think everyone's culture, when you think about it, we all get together over Mm. food. We all celebrate over food. And particularly in those European cultures, they do come together. They're they're hardworking communities who are out working during the day. They have hot summers, so they come home later and they all get together. And and in Bari, all of the the people, the locals at nighttime will just come out of their houses. Obviously, went we went there in the, the summer months and saw in the good weather. And they would all just come out and they would eat and they would associate with everyone. It was a real sense of community. And I absolutely love that. I think mm. that's something that we perhaps could do better here in Australia, that real sense of community and that real gathering over food and and having that to connect over. So that was, yeah, I really wanted to bring that into the book as well. Yeah, well, you do it beautifully. It really drew me in. So (laughs) what was your process in writing this book, Jodi? Was it written over a long period of time or was it something that you did, you know, over nano or how did that all evolve for you and then in terms of getting it to the revision and publications? It's It was a really long process, this book. It, It started off a few years ago. I can't even remember I have so many things going on at the one time. I can't remember <laughs> which one started when. It was maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. And it was it was quite a different book to begin with. It had three point of view characters. They were all friends. There was Demi, Anna, and another friend, Beck, and they all had their own stories to tell. But halfway through or about three quarters of the way through the first draft Demi was absolutely screaming the loudest at me and she just kept coming into every scene and by the end of that first draft I thought this isn't working this this is Demi's story that I need to be telling um sorry Anna you yeah. know you'll, you'll be able to have a small part in it sorry Beck you might be ending up in a different story yeah um, Beck's gone <laughs> Beck's gone sorry about that so yeah it was The case of just having to listen to the characters and the story, which I know sounds a bit woo-woo, particularly for people who aren't writers and and don't understand that process, but it does happen. And you sometimes you just have to take the story where where the story goes. And so that's what I did. So the second draft was all about Demi. And then I thought maybe there was going to be two books, the first book and then a second book. So I was torn between that and my editor Nicola O'Shea helped me draw it back into one book because it wasn't wasn't quite enough for two. It was too too much to tackle for two books. It was better to condense it all into one and make it a stronger story. So she really helped me pull it together. And from there, once we pulled it into that one book and Demi was the feature character, it was quite an easy process drafting through until I think I'd done about four or five drafts. And on the what would be the second last draft, I came to realise that it's not actually quite working. There was a point sort of three quarters through the story where I just knew something wasn't right. You need other people to look at it. You need someone else's eyes sometimes to to look at it from an outsider's point of view and tell you what's not working. So Kelly, my writing coach, helped me through that. And as soon as she said, I think this needs to happen or why is this happening, it sort of went bang. It was like a light bulb. Oh, of course, this big change um, right. needs to happen to, to make it a stronger story. So once that was out of the way, the, the final draft was actually quite easy, came to, together really quite well. And from there, it, it 
just went forward really quickly. I was planning to publish it independently and I ended up hybrid with it. So Brio mm-hmm. Books have published the print version and I've still got the rights for the ebook version. So it all came together quite quickly in the end. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a really interesting evolution of that whole story, isn't it, from the very beginning, like you say, with the three different characters and now yeah. and also the evolution of your publication journey. So I'm really interested in this whole model. You, as you say, have retained the uh, ebook rights, mm-hmm. the print rights, is that right, are with Brio? Yes, that's and right. Is that in partnership with Booktopia as well or...? Yes, exactly. So Booktopia Publishing Services, I have joined with Brio Books. And the way my involvement came about was through a workshop with the ASA last year, an online workshop about self-publishing, as I, I was fully planning to go down that route again. And John McDonald was part of that. And I emailed him after the workshop because I had a few questions about distribution and things like that. And He said, oh, give me a look at your manuscript. I might like to take a look at it. And then he got back to me and he said, I think I've got something in the works for you. I think I can introduce you to someone at Booktopia Publishing who might be interested in this. And I was sort of a bit taken aback going, wow, okay, Mm. well, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Thinking that not much might come of it. And then things sort of went quiet for a couple of months and I just kept plodding along, moving towards publication, getting covers designed, getting the editing uh, copy editing and proofreading and all of that done because I, I was planning on publishing it. And then earlier this year, I spoke to Francois McCarty at Booktopia and was offered a deal with Breo Books and Booktopia Publishing for the print rights. They, they said they wanted to publish it. So Brilliant. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. So yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? So what do you see are the benefits for, for you in that, Jody? I guess, in terms of having, you know, splitting it so you're sort of in control of the ebook and, and they're in control of the print? What's the benefits for you rather than doing the whole lot independently? Sure. So it's quite different to a traditional deal where you're handing over all your rights to the publisher and they are pretty much taking care of everything for you. They will help you with the editing and the proofreading and the cover design, the distribution and the marketing and all of that. The arrangement we have is that, as you said, I'm retaining the ebook rights and they have the print rights. So the main benefit for me is that I still retain the ebook rights, so I still have that control. And with the print, distribution is probably the key. They have a, a large distribution network than I would as an indie author, author for, for print book, books. And so the printing and distribution is the main benefit that that partnership is why I said yes to the deal. Um, of course, they have more contacts, they have better marketing reach, better promotion reach and all that sort of thing as well. So it was a win-win situation for, for both of us, really, I think. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And as you say, it's a way of getting your book in front of more people, isn't it? Because you're teaming up with someone else who's also going to be marketing it and promoting it the way that you are at your end. So it's, I guess it's doubling or, you know, probably more than doubling your reach. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that was a huge factor in it. And they've been absolutely fabulous to deal with. We've had a few hiccups with COVID along the way with the, a delay to printing and that sort of thing, which I think every publisher is having problems mm. at the moment. But that aside, they've been fantastic to deal with. I took the cover that I'd already had designed to them and said, 
do you like this or would you like to do something yourself? They loved the cover. We just made a few tweaks here and there. And so they took that on board. They did took hold of the final proofread and the formatting and basically took it over from the proofread through to the printing and distribution. Mm. So, which was nice. It, it gave me a little bit more time to, to work on promotion and, and keep working on the, the next book I'm working on. So it was nice to be able to step back at a point rather than if I was fully indie publishing, I would, there's a lot more business side stuff that I would have had to do as well. So it's been, it's been fantastic. It's been a great, great thing. Yeah. Look, it's really the best of both worlds. So really interested to see how that goes for you and all the best with it. So that brings me, I guess, to this whole idea of um, branding and promotion and that whole business side of publishing, which, you know, you have learnt so much about through your indie experience and are taking with you now in, with this new venture. You've got a, a fabulous new website that's very much based on the look of your book and the feel of your book. And I just wanted you to tell us, if you could, how conscious were you in creating sort of an author brand for yourself uh particularly with this new direction and and how do you envisage that playing out with future books yeah thank you um i'm chuffed with the new website michelle from has done yeah, that for shout me out to michelle barraclough yes she's done an amazing job and i think that branding is something that. I really think is an important part of being an author and, and having your brand out there, having your name out there and having everything consistent to tie together. So your website and your social media platforms. And with the new book coming out, I wanted to use the colors and change the branding on my website to fit with that. It's I don't have a huge marketing background, but I've done a lot of social media work and, and things like that in the past. So knowing that, you know, the more times someone sees your brand or your platform, the more times they will remember it. So it was as part of that. So putting it out there, and I think that's the, the, the world we live in now. Everything is done online, even though in-person events are really important for authors to connect on a one-to-one -one basis with readers. When we can't do that, which we've seen in the past 18 months or so, it's ever so more important to have that online brand and just have everything pulling together. And it's something that I enjoy too. I think you either do love it or you don't. So I'm really fortunate that it's something that I enjoy doing and I enjoy pulling all of those features together and having that consistent brand and working hard on it. You do a fabulous job of it, Jodie. So what would you say are the key elements in your author brand? I guess the key elements are books, writing, and I also enjoy baking. So I've made that part of my brand as well. And so I, my website is sort of books and baking. So I have my own books and I like to talk about books. I like to promote other authors' books because as an author, you're also a reader. Um, that's where that's where it mm. all starts. So the books and the baking is really my my main point of branding that I'm focusing on and stepping away from the writing and into maybe cooking up a batch of cookies or or baking up a cake and sharing that it's something different and it lets me step away into something other than writing so I really wanted to combine those those two elements and really make that part of my branding and it adds a bit of fun as a reader I guess it lets people look into what I and as a person and who I am and what I enjoy doing, which I think it's all about that social connection and seeing someone as a person rather than just a brand. So I think it all works together and they're two things I love. So why not bring them together and, and show 
people that this is who I am and that's what I love doing. It's a great idea. I really like that. And as you say, I think readers like to get that insight into your life. I mean, you don't have to throw the door wide open and show them everything about your life. But if you're showing them little glimpses, I think it's quite nice, isn't it? Personalised. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. I, I agree. And, of course, you made great use of, of this whole idea of around food and branding and, and the travel thing with the promotional package that you sent out for the book. And I did put some photos on Instagram and you had along with it a little bag of coffee beans, which smelt fabulous when the box was opened, <laughs> and some handmade biscotti and a postcard from, from Bari written from a Demi, which was a lovely touch, and the beautiful colours of the Italian flag wrapped around the book in some satin ribbons. So can you talk about how you came up with that idea? And I guess that was a lot of fun actually putting that all together as well. It was so much fun. I was brainstorming what I could do because I really wanted to, when I was sending the book out to reviewers and people like yourself, podcasters, I really wanted to set the scene of what the book's about. And I thought, well, it's obviously got to have some food in it and it's got to have some coffee in it because it's about Demi who loves running the cafe. So, and of course it had to have an Italian theme. So I brainstormed and put together those things and I put the coffee beans in there because I knew that they would smell amazing when you opened it and really draw you in and set that scene and the biscotti in there as well and I wanted to have a little touch of Demi so you you when you opened it and read that postcard you sort of felt that you were getting to know Demi already without even opening the pages of the book so it was just about setting that scene and introducing you to to the book and to Demi and to what lies beneath the pages pretty much yeah yeah, and I love that she was writing to Anna too. You got that sense of their friendship. And and actually just talking to you about it reminds me of, you know, when I spoke to Tabitha Bird about the fabulous package she sent out with the Emporium of the Imagination. Yes, yeah. And she was saying that when she actually went collecting, you know, the bits and pieces to put in those packages, because a lot of them were quite individualised, you know, um, she would find these little sort of little antique things in you know secondhand shops and things and then she'd think oh I'm going to put that so she actually went back and then Mm -hmm. put those things into the book you know as part of the emporium so it can it can work both ways can't it you know when you are building up something like that you can think it can then spark your imagination for some of your writing absolutely it just adds something to the story and to to not even just the story but the whole story of what you're selling as the book Mm. as well and I guess it shows the passion that that authors have for their books. It's more than just pieces of paper. There's a lot behind what goes into a book. Definitely. So what would you say, Jodie, if there's any authors out there listening and thinking, oh, yeah, I really need to work on my author brand, what would you say would be uh, the four key or four of the key features of things that they can maybe start to do more of or to work on? I think the main thing would be to get your online presence up and running. And that doesn't mean that you need to be over every single social media platform there is and have a fantastic website. It just need, it means that you need to pick at least one platform that you enjoy. So if you enjoy the visual aspect of Instagram, use Instagram to connect with your readers. Or if you enjoy the Facebook platform or the Twitter, just find what you enjoy using and just start posting and start posting about what you're doing and what you're writing and 
pick an element of your personal life as you said before you don't need to throw the doors open and show them that everything that's going on and who your family is who your kids are just pick one element that you want to share with readers so they get to know a sense of who you are and connect it's about that connection and yeah just and just be consistent with it so if you are going to have a couple of platforms and a website keep your branding consistent your the photo your your profile picture keep that consistent across the platform so that people will recognize that even if they can't remember your name to begin with they might remember your profile picture it's just about that consistency and that consistent posting as well if you're only going to post once a week about random things you're probably going to take a little bit longer to build up uh, following um, so consistent posting every day if you can and just yeah just show who you are and what you're about and what you're writing even if you haven't got anything published there's so many people out there who are aspiring authors who are writing in the background thinking wondering you know am i doing it right or am i even writing anything that's worthy there's so many people out there that you can connect with who are on the same journey as you so yeah i think don't hold back yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah. And, of course, you can connect with so many like-minded people, can't you, through social media. And I think sometimes just a really good, honest post, you know, the posts that I do too, very quite curated and mm -hmm. to fit in with your grid and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes I find just every now and then just throwing in a, like, this is just a what's and all post, you know, and often they're just the ones that Absolutely. make the, the biggest connection. Yeah, it shows that you're human and that you have mm -hmm. bad days and not everything can be set up, you know, with a flat lay with some flowers and and a teacup and, and thinking everything's nice and peaceful when it's, you know, in the background everything's crazy. So, yeah, yes. absolutely, <laughs> keeping it real and, and having those posts where, you know, oh, I'm really struggling today, I can't get these words down or the kids are annoying me, how's your day? Just, yeah, I think that balance of because that's what life's about. It's, yeah. you know, the good with the bad, the, the, the hard days come along and the, celebrate the little wins as they do as well. Yeah, I burnt the cake, that sort of post. <laughs> That's I remember right. I did scones once. I, I borrowed Maya Linnell's scone recipe and, you know, oh, Maya yeah. always has these beautiful scones on there and I, yeah. mine came out like about, you know, half a centimetre high. I don't know what I did. <laughs> um, I just thought, oh, I grew it. That's going on Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Share it all. What's it all, isn't it right? <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about this idea, Jodie, of branding, I guess, and, you know, the fact that you, you sound like you've, pretty much nailed now the type of story that you like to write, your voice, uh, the things that make up your specific type of women's fiction. How mm -hmm. are you then taking that forward into the next book and then thinking, you know, maybe into the future with, with other books that you might write? So at the moment I'm really comfortable in the feel-good fiction space. I don't think every book that I'm going to write is going to have a food element to it. I think there'll always be a touch of that in the memories we hide. Um, Stella's brownies in there, they were a p important part of the book, but that was only a very small element. Obviously there's more in the five-year plan. With the next book, there's, there's a few little mentions of, of food-related things. So I think there'll always be that thread, but it may not be a main concept as it is with the five-year plan. But definitely in that feel-good space, stories that explore the journey, and we all hate that word, but sometimes there's not a better word for it. Yeah, it's not, um, you're right. Where we, it's not that bad, exactly. really, when it... <laughs> yeah. 
And I think that's what that's what novels are all about, isn't it? That journey of a character. And I really enjoy working with characters who are on that journey from point in their life where they're thrown off kilter, where they think everything's on track and they really have to step back and look at life differently. I think that's the main theme of both my books already, even though they are slightly different genres. That's definitely a main theme in my next book. So it's definitely where I'm heading. And in my next book, what I hope to be my next book, there's actually three characters who are faced with some things in their life that have thrown their life off course and they have to deal with it and and find a way around it. So, and I think going forward, I still want to have that lightness to the book. I think we can all get stuck into books that are they're a little bit heavy. I really like that balance of heaviness in a book with a bit of light relief as well so that mm. we're we're not all... We're, life's a roller coaster there's ups and downs and I think the the writing that I want to do once I want to explore that where there's a bit of lightness a bit of humor along with the challenges as well yeah oh it sounds good great to hear that you're working on the next one so the five-year plan is out now I think it, it was is, yesterday yes. it was release day Tuesday yes congratulations where is the best place for people to find it um, you can find it on Booktopia or your local independent bookstore. If it's not on the shelf, you can go in and ask them to order it in. They'd be more than happy to do that. Or if you prefer the ebook version, you'll be able to find that on Amazon and, and all the places where you can buy ebooks. So it's out and about, definitely through Booktopia if you like buying your books online and support those indie stores as well who we know are, are having a bit of a rough time of it at the mm. moment. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And what about you, Jodie? Where can people find you online? You can visit me on my website, which is www.jfgibson.com.au and you'll also find me on mainly on Instagram and Facebook. I post a lot to both of those platforms and my handle is at jfgibsonwriter. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on the book. I'm really enjoying it. It's been some beautiful light relief in COVID. And I have to say, I am writing one of those doom and gloom books myself. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice for me to sit back with something light and, you know, like just to be taken somewhere else. So it almost reminds me of some of those old, you know, Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn, visiting Europe type movies. It's got that. Yeah, movie, lovely. Even though it's a very modern story. And I have to say, like you do, yeah. I meant to say this earlier, great job on like a lot of the um, popular social references in terms of, you know, celebrities people might know or what's what's happening on Instagram and things like that. So that was a really nice touch yeah. too. Oh, thank you. I, I yeah. like to say that it's it's a book that's not going to change the world, but hopefully it'll change your day. Oh, that's great. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Jodie. It's been lovely chatting to you again and wish you all the best with the five-year plan. Thank you so much, Pam. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. 
And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4W Podcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women, or find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>